tonight. We have an amazing show, really full show. This is Kinthea, the producer, standing in for Richard, who's at an important meeting, and hopefully he'll be able to join us later. Uh, tonight our show is going to be uh, addressing a topic that keeps coming up in the consciousness regarding the goddess. And what we're going to do is I'm going to introduce everyone. You know us all. We've been on the show many, many, many times. And we're going to have a conversation, a free-flowing, fun conversation. So I want to welcome our different guests from our imaging team. We have Keith Laney, Andrew Curry, Timothy Saunders, and myself. And our resident metaphysician is Georgia Lambert. And for those of you who are joining the show from the radio, if you want to find the show page, you go to theothersideofmidnight.com. And there you can click on the banner that says the return of the goddess. Or in the nav menu, you can click on tonight's show. So return of the goddess, this is March 21st. And that will take you to our show page, and you can navigate through it easily using the fast links. So up first, we have our news items. But first, let's welcome everyone. Georgia, you want to say hi? Good evening, everybody. There you go. And Andrew? Hi, Kinthea. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Keith? Hi. Okay. And Timothy? Good evening. All right, beautiful. So we have people from all around the world here. So tonight in our, um, well, before I get to the news items, this is a time of great change. And the circumstances of this coronavirus is a catalyst for changes on many levels, consciousness and economics and health. And you've often heard it said, you know, the only thing that would unite us would be a common enemy around the planet. So apparently we've created this common enemy for us to really recognize the unity of the human species on the planet, that we can no longer think that we are isolated and alone and it's just my world and you have your world. We are totally integrated And what affects one affects all, and this is the experience of that. We have this contrast of consciousness coming in, and you've heard about the patriarchy, and I would say that's a world of domination where one power is trying to dominate another and people wonder, well, what is the goddess energy? The goddess energy is many things. It's it's a quantum energy, hyperdimensional. What do I mean? I mean it's multidimensional. What do I mean? It's no time, no space. It's everything occurring in the now. It's where we create reality from. And you hear more and more in today's culture where People are saying, oh, I manifested this, or I'm going to manifest that. What do they mean? That they're moving to another state of consciousness where we're becoming more aware of our thoughts and the impact they have on the world. So we're going to be addressing that, the Kali energy, the goddess as she showed up at the Super Bowl, and many other things. In our first news items... I put up a couple um, totally different perspectives on the coronavirus in item number one and number two. The first one is a beautiful video from Italy. And both one and two are as though the coronavirus was speaking to us, the essence, the spirit of the coronavirus. And I guarantee you, you'll be very surprised when you read these links or watch that beautiful movie. I don't know if anyone on the panel had a chance to review those. If you did, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Doesn't look. Yeah, right. yeah, Cynthia, I I uh, 
got a chance to see the Italian video. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very similar to uh, a blurb that was put out by David Spangler, who was one of the original Findhorn participants. Oh. And um, he talks about uh, the virus on a microscopic level, and instead of seeing it as the enemy, seeing it as something that's delivering us this magnificent opportunity to take that step into oneness instead of the separateness that's been so prevalent. Yes, yes, and I also appreciate, and I think Finhorn would would re- relate to this, the relationship that we have with the planet the consciousness that we have with the planet, the unity that we have with the planet. And um, pretty amazing. I really recommend you all check that out. The third link is a little bit humorous, but it has to do with the uh, fear that culture is holding, that we are holding. And why it's so necessary to move from fear to solution and to be heart-centered. So I want to welcome uh, Georgia, if you'd like to share about your two items, your beautiful paintings and what they speak of. Oh, all right. Um Since the theme was on the goddess, I I chose these two paintings. The first one um, I did the week after the tsunami in uh, Southeast Asia that happened uh, some years back. And it's hard to tell by the the thumbnail and even the the enlarged version, but the waves at the bottom are destroying the trains and the buildings and you can see people in the waves and the souls are lifting up from the water into the heart of the world mother and this is sort of an iconic depiction of the world mother i made her sort of poly uh polynesian because it was uh, that part of the world but um uh of course, you know, it has overtones of the Virgin Mary and uh, this mother goddess figure that you see in so many different places. There's a, a famous book by Jeffrey Hodson from the Theosophical Society that has beautiful paintings in it, and one of them depicts the world mother very, very similarly. So this would be the the gentle, the nurturing aspect of the goddess. I call that painting Rescue. The second one is the lion goddess Sekhmet, which is the destroyer aspect, the sort of Kali aspect of the goddess. And that particular painting is full of symbology. Everything in there is meaningful, too long to go into. But basically, it depicts on the left side of the painting the sunset light of the passing age and the pre-dawn light on the right side of the age to come. And uh, we have the heart of Orion with that beam uh, coming down into the activity of the old age and uh, into the into the heart of the earth. And that angle is not a 90 degree angle. It is an 86 degree angle, which in military terms to 86 something means death. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and this is the death of the old age and the beginning of the new. I also painted the lion as uh, an African lion, but as a North American panther, because in esoteric tradition, the light, of the old world is moving to the West as we begin this new age. Wow. That is a perfect opening for our planetary um, experience of this energy as it's coming in. And um, that this is an experience that 
we are moving into larger realms of existence. Keith, you have some amazing images that echo this energy that you have been finding on the planet Mars. Would you like to share your items? Everyone just click on the fast links for Keith. We'll take you to Keith's items. Sure. I, I didn't start out looking for a goddess on Mars, uh, but the images kind of bored out. Um, if you look at my first item, it's Apollinaris, and it's actually a huge shield volcano on Mars called Apollinaris Mars, uh, Mons. Excuse me. Get my tongue untied here so I can talk to you. Um, but if you click on it, uh, it's a huge it's a huge goddess. The entire shield volcano is – you see it's a profile face looking to the right. It's got a headdress. It's got a big ear, you know, like, like the hairs drawn up in a layer. Uh, on the sides of the head, it's, it's really a really a striking picture, and now it's from a, lo- a long way away because uh, you know this is a huge shield volcano. Um, I can't remember quite exactly how wide it is, something on the area of like like 130 miles across, like from forehead to neck. Um, but it's really striking that this nature would take the shape of you know, take the female energy shape on the planet now whether or not this was shaped like that uh you know hey that's a possibility because you know we don't know what was on mars and we suspect it was people of immense power uh, that could do this sort of thing uh, but even if it's not if the power of nature was expressing its female form on the face of this planet in the shape of the shield volcano then so be it that's the way it is Keith, you know what it reminds me of there's a there's a very famous artist that was painting in the late 1800s and early 1900s called Alphonse Mucha, and he did Art Nouveau women portraits, uh, among other things. And there's a lot of his posters that show the profile, both facing in both directions, with I, almost almost this exact headdress. You know, I and you know and. Uh, when you speak of that, that's maybe the inspiration why I've seen things like this because I was exposed to that sort of artwork, you know, for years and years. And so it's just natural that, you know, I'd recognize something like this when you see it, whether it's on another planet or on any sort of canvas that's in front of your face. It's, it's not just pareidolia. You know, you can see the thing. It's there. I mean, whether it's, whether it's artificially put there or whether it's naturally put there, that, that is of no consequence to me. The fact of the matter is it's there. You can see it. And for art's sake, it's beautiful. Um, it's an amazing and, photograph, Keith. Also, yeah, I, just, I just noticed if you turn your head to your right, so in other words, you put your right ear on your right shoulder, and then if you look in the center of the volcano, you can actually see something which resembles a sort of uh, almost like a sort of a sleeping moon face. Like sort of something you might see on sort of a child's book. Oh, or something like that. you're you're right. You're absolutely right. I, as soon as you said that, I saw it. Huh? Uh, well, you know, you learn something new every day, and from every observation of a, of, of a nice photo, a uh, beautiful photo. Yeah, you know, and after a while, when you look at things like that, then you start seeing other things, and you know, and next thing you know, you're you're telling a whole story in a artwork, which may be. Uh, a type of uh, you know mental projection, uh, psychological projection on things, but uh, nevertheless, it's beautiful and for art's sake, it's it's it's, it's, it's really refreshing to see something like this. Um, now, if we click off of that and go back to the page, and you know, now that was a fluke. You know, when I found that one, I'm like, oh well, you know, hmm, wonder why no one's noticed this before, but come to see, you know, a lot of people have noticed it. Um, but then um, we landed Spirit in a place called Gusev Crater, and I did the landing site images for this particular program, and uh, I was looking at this area, and it was kind of a given that Spirit was going to land here. Uh, the rest of the, the, you know, the Meridiani and the rest of the landing sites had a lot of argument over which one they were going to land at, but there was no argument that uh, that Spirit was going to go to Gusev. Uh, and uh, I started looking through the images to, you know, to figure out why, you know, why are they so bent on landing in Gusev, you know, it wasn't even wasn't even really up for consideration. Uh, Meridiana site was chosen amongst the rest of the landing sites, but Gusev was pretty much a given. Um, then I started looking through the images that no one had but me and um, seeing this thing in the center of the crater. And uh, item number two is Isis of Gusev. It took me a while to figure out what it is. If you click on that, it brings up a larger – this is the entire area that Spirit explored. 
it rolled right up her it, it rolled right up this <laughs> geoglyphic effigy it rolled it right up her praying hands and across her shoulders and then down across her womb to a place called home plate and then down around her knees where spirit still sits but um because uh, you know that's where it broke down um but this is what spirit explored uh you know and this is our first inkling on you know a huge martian arcology that's shaped like a geoglyph because we all know what spirit saw when it was on the ground i mean there were ruins everywhere um we're still going through those images picking stuff out but this is why though that there was no dispute on where they were landing you know we got the expression of the goddess i call it isis because if you look this is one of those pictures that the more you look at the more you'll see uh you know and it's devastated with age but there's enough of it there in the general shape is, is such that you can identify it if you know the story of isis and osiris and horus and seth yeah then you will see that in this picture uh this is this is isis kneeling and she's got horus in her hands and she's got osiris in her mind uh did you did any of you have people from the vietnam era uh my dad sent my mom a picture from Vietnam that all the soldiers were having make having made and it had my mother's face was the main part of the picture and in the top corner like right beside her head was an emblazoned oval picture of my father in his army uniform and so forth well, basically his face but it looked like it was a thought in her mind uh, and then these pictures were really popular all through the 60s and 70s, you know, soldiers sending them back from Vietnam. But this is the same sort of thing. You see this goddess laying here, and in her headdress, you see there's a, there is a face up there. In her hands, there's that item, the little item that she's holding in her hands looks like a hawk. We're seeing the whole story of Osiris right here, and Isis, and we're seeing it right here on a paper, on a geoglyph on Mars. Why? Keith, Keith can, I, can I cut in just for it's Andrew sure. here? Sure. So, um, and Georgie, you might have something to say about this, but spirit <laughs> is that not <laughs> is that not a, a you know could that not be um, viewed as a goddess symbolism right there? Yeah. Well, the uh, rovers were Athenas also. Yeah. That was their their designation was Athena. Both of them, uh, spirit and really? Really interesting. And Keith, can you review one more time the path that Spirit took? Um, well, if you're, if you see which way her, you know, she's looking towards the left, you know, and it's a profile. It's a, it's a kneeling, it's a kneeling figure with their with hands out in supplication, right in front of your heart, you know, in your heart position, as you do, like if you're begging, as Isis did, as she begged the God of the Dead for, uh, for her husband to be resurrected to impregnate her one time, you know. For to do you know, to bring her husband. If you do you know the Osiris myth, I'm sure all of us here do. We're not. I shouldn't have. I don't have to go and rehash all that. Everybody here knows the knows the Osiris myth. But here it is in a in a geoglyphic effigy. Now, I, I didn't put this here. You know, it's on Mars. We just took a picture of it, and you know, inquiring minds figured it out. You know, look at it and see. And this has bugged me for years and years. I'm looking at this thing, going, there is no way that this is possible. That this is what this is. No way. Because I'm a skeptic at heart and a big time skeptic, and then the more I look at it, I'm like, well, wait a minute, man, you know this is. And then you look at the ground pictures and you see it's just devastated ruins after devastated ruins as spirit is crawling across this thing. The path went from where the horse, the path went from the craters area right in front of where the her hands are holding this thing, across her hands, up her uh, up her face. Um, across her little hair area, down into that valley, on around the shoulder, and then down across her womb onto a place called Home Plate. You can actually see Home Plate on that photo there. It's a little circular-looking thing about where her navel would be. So in other words, Home Plate is her womb. I would guess so, yes. I would I would guess so. And she's holding a little – I mean the little thing she's got in her hand. In this picture, you can't. You probably can't see it that well, but the little thing in her hand is definitely shaped like a falcon. It's like a little bitty falcon, and it's also sort of phallic in nature. When you know what, you know the part that Osiris didn't have uh, <laughs> when yeah. he was reassembled, right? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Keith, why don't you just you know give us a real quick sketch for you know for the listening audience that doesn't know the story that it might just help. Okay. Os uh, Osiris and his brother Set uh, vied for vied for kingship. But uh, Set 
through trickery, put Osiris in a box and to kill him. And it didn't kill him, so he separated him, but he, he cut him up into a bunch of pieces and sent him to all the parts of the world. And, was, and Isis recovered all his parts except for his penis because supposedly a crocodile or something had eaten in the Nile. And the story varies in, in various sorts. But Isis went and pled before the God of the Dead to, uh, to, to release her husband so he could come back and be king on earth you know, longer. And uh, he granted her, granted him to come back. And anyhow, through magic or somehow, she impregnated herself. The this, the myth varies in 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 all kinds of ways. However, the main gist of it is that Osiris impregnated her, and then the son, the the baby born from this was Horus, yeah. and Horus avenged Osiris on Seth, and then became the new king. Yeah. Okay. okay. And now we, we see this, and we're we're seeing this symbology playing out before us in this Bennu. Oh, Phoenix yes. <laughs> Dragon yeah. King thing. <laughs> yeah, and if and if Keith, if Richard was here, he would he would review with us all of the symbology that NASA, S, um, what's the Japanese space agency, JAXA? Mm-hmm. JAXA. Yeah, all of these different agencies seem to have this deep symbology, not only in the naming of their missions, yeah. but yeah. And it literally means what it says when they yeah. when they do these ma- naming things. They, you know, these are the smartest guys in the world, and you know, it's their little joke on the inside to be able to say something without saying it, and everybody gets it except the lay people. Yeah. And they name the <laughs> rover Spirit. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, and they're Athena rovers also. Then they sent them to ISIS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when they got there, they took pictures of everything in the world except the, the you know. Except that, you know, they showed us everything in the world except the good stuff and except, you know, the stuff that slips out that we carefully call through the archives and find and try to present to make some kind of sense out of what we're seeing on this crazy mixed up planet that's full of devastation and the remnants of what looks like us. Um, well, anyway, yeah. And I'm just, just wondering if I may ask a question very quickly. I'm just saying what I, I saw initially. I mean, it's amazing photographs, amazing the way you've, you've you know, shown them as well. Um, but what I saw straight away was, in fact, the figure holding like a sword, like sort of angled downwards, like a, like a sort of a, like a crusader's sword. Um, and uh, also, I'm very intrigued by what that is at the bottom. Is that like sort of an animal or is it like sort of something she's... Looks like she's or? kneeling on it. She looks like she's kneeling on something's head. <laughs> I mean, to yeah, be honest it, with you, yeah. It looks like a sort of a Thanksgiving turkey or something. I mean, it looks like it, it's something with legs and, and yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm trying to belittle it, but I mean, it looks like something that was living. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, and the idea is the vanquished set, and the, between the whole myth, you know, that was the, mm-hmm. the idea: the death of the old, the destruction of evil, and the birth of the new. But it's incredibly detailed. All the time we've been talking, I've just been staring into it. You more and more details. Yeah, well, you should. I also have these. I have the full size images that uh, MRO took of this up on Gigapan, so you can oh, really? uh, yeah you can dive down and see the small details as well as zoom back and see this. Uh, matter of fact, uh, matter of fact, MRO took uh, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter took an image of this with a, almost a, like a point zero six tau which means the sky was incredibly clear. And it, I mean, it shows the nitty gritty dirt grains down there, but you know, as far as you're looking for little small items on the surface, it's not going to help you. Actually, if you're looking for ruins, it's not going to help you much either to see if that resolution, you need to be back a little bit. So the devastation is eased off the, the, the so-called GG effect, you know, it's like trying to, trying to uh, swat a, trying to swat a fly with a shotgun, you know, or trying to, trying to, uh, Hunt for a needle in a haystack with a telescope. So, Keith, you, you said something really interesting because um, um, Georgia said it kind of right off the bat after Cynthia sort of brought Georgia in with her beautiful paintings. Georgia, I didn't know you painted. You're amazing. Yeah, that first, that first <laughs> painting is awesome. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> like, so harps and sword bearing and now an artist is everything that you don't do, dear. I have a lot of strange hobbies. <laughs> Well, if painting's strange, and a bunch of us here on this panel are very odd, so <laughs> no, it's so beautiful. But no, you said something, Keith. You go um, destruction of the old and the bringing of the new. So, are we seeing if this is true? If this is real, and we've had many, many shows about 
our work on our different space agencies' imagery and the kinds of things that we think we're seeing on a repeated, constant, frequent level. In other words, geometry, which is where Richard always wants to be, and he's right about that because that's what most people can sort of recognize first, and we're seeing a lot of that on Mars, amongst other places like the asteroids that you mentioned, but also what we think when we're going a little further and seeing what we think are magnificent representations of art, this being representations of the goddess, are we now seeing a celestial connection here with the goddess? Yes, there's always been the celestial connection, and I think they're tying into it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why the naming of the of the programs, the timing of the programs, the things that they're going and seeing, and at what times. You know, it's just like we were talking about with the Ryugu um, Benu thing. You know, Ryugu means yeah. Palace of the Dragon King, <laughs> uh, and which is dead, which is set. Okay, then you have Benu, and Benu is a phoenix. Now, when we know we know at the foot of Aeolus Mons where Curiosity is, there's a great big phoenix on the ground. Dispute me if you want. It's anyone. I don't care. Scientist, whoever you are, if you want to dispute me on. What you're calling Gadiz Valles, um, which is a giant phoenix on the ground, and it is a geoglyphic representation of such, and it's surrounded by supporting other geoglyphs that that um, are right in the vein of what we're talking about. Yeah. That is exactly what this is, and I'm going to put it in their face because I'm the one that did the 26 gigabyte image of the entire landing site. Uh, this thing is there. It is what it is. It's it ancient humongous phoenix right where curiosity is exploring we've been looking at it for a long time but the next item is my number three is aeolus breath of life because one of the supporting things that also supports this goddess because see the mythology all ties in the phoenix osiris isis all of them it all ties together and we're seeing it laid out on the on the surface of another planet as well so you know I mean, we're either crazy or this is really there. I mean, I think we're crazy and it's there. But, I mean, you know, from someone with a reasonable mind and coming from a, a, some, you know, a, a, even a modest scientific background, looks at this stuff and goes, man, you know, this is just nuts. You know, but then there it is, nonetheless, you know. When we see on Aeolus Breath of Life, right, right up the mountain a little bit from the phoenix that's, that they are calling Gadiz Valles, which is uh, – which is tied to Hermes in some way in mythology, why they named it Gadiz, because they always have a theme. But um, this Aeolus Breath of Life is a giant effigy that's on the side of that mountain. And we see that – we saw long ago that the, it's, it's female. You know, Now, why you say it's female, I don't know. It just looks female. You know? Well, the one that really it? looks female to me is that number four, the Nefertari. Now, the reason I put that next one, that the next one is a surface and it's not far from here. It's down in the, you know, it's down on the floor below the mountain. And it's the same sort of thing. It's, uh, well, coming up on our break and we're listening to this beautiful music by Daya Dova. And she's, uh, amazing. You're listening. The other side of midnight. The show tonight is uh, the return of the goddess. Let's enjoy a little goddess music, and we'll be right back.
InsidersMidnight.com Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. side of midnight those of you who are just joining us if you'd like to find the show page go to the other side of midnight.com and click on the show banner for return of the goddess and tonight with us we have our imaging team Keith Laney, Andrew Curry Timothy Saunders myself Kinthea and our resident metaphysician Georgia Lambert and we're in discussion about the goddess Keith was just going over traces of the goddess on the planet Mars, where we're finding this energy manifest throughout the solar system as we know it, as we're discovering. And um, Keith, did you want to finish up with a couple items and then we'll move on? Yes, because we were, we were almost done. Thank you. Was, uh, I know we were on, oh gosh, which one was it? Yeah, we were on the number three. Is it Aeolus Breath of Life? Well, then, yeah, I think we'd just gone to number four. And number four. Uh, well, uh, the reason I included those two is because they're so similar to each other. And uh, now, of course, you know, the number number three is a picture from Orbital, and that is a huge mountain. That's Well, it's a huge piece of mountain on Aeolus Mons that's shaped like a, a, a lady that's like blowing. Just like a kiss of life, like, a, you know, how you blow on a boo-boo. And so, but that's what she's doing in that picture. And then the the one on the surface is quite smaller. The little thing's only like 18 inches tall, and uh, it's on the side of Salisbury Mound. And I've included the on number five is a link to the Gigapan image of Salisbury Mound on that day that has this in it. But I, I included those because they're so similar. You know, you see, it's the, they're representing the same, maybe the same race, the same, the, maybe the same facial characteristics of a certain type of the human race that was on Mars. Um, but either way, it's female, just like the one above it. You know, as in, and I love the above and below thing, you know. We're seeing something from above, then we get down on the ground, and there's a little statue of on the ground also. So hey, Keith, what more confirmation do you need? Mm-hmm. Keith, can I, can I cut in for a second? Sure. Can you um, tell the listeners and anybody here who hasn't seen this, because this might have been in one of our private conversations about the larger um, uh, Aeolus and the area that looks like it could have been a massive lake, and what would have happened if the wind blew? You, you remember you were talking. Yes, if you if you look at the picture number three, you see underneath. If you see in her neck area or behind her chin, there's an area that's hollowed out, and that used to be a waterfall and a pond there. And you can only imagine on a misty Martian morning, uh, the mist rising off of this pond and then the wind catching it and blowing it out along that pathway that looks like she's blowing steam across the uh, across the surface. Yeah, and that was probably a feature in the past, but you know, that's 
you know, it's rampant speculation, but it only just, you know, I, I, I for one, think this area at one time, it's still beautiful, but at one yeah. time it, it had to have been just the, the most heartrendingly beautiful place you've ever seen. And that would be, you know, sort of thing that you would see in such a place, you know. Yeah, exactly. And Keith, I, 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 of course, all of this is speculation. Until we put, as Mike Pence said, boots on the ground, we're not going to know for exactly sure. But we can speculate freely because, again, we see this repeated again and again and again, not only on this planet, but on many other heavenly bodies in our solar system. Keith, would you say… And, and, and the elegance of what you just said, how in this sort of shoulder area was a pond that, you know, if the wind blew the right way, when, you know, three up, well, allegedly. Well, three actually, times. the way the mountain is shaped behind it almost guarantees the wind blows that way through there. Oh, interesting. Yes. So in other words, it's flowing in the direction that if this is a profile of a face with a closed eye and an elongated head, doesn't that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Um and her mouth is blowing, then she's blowing out the breath of life, just like you're described. I mean, it's so elegant. It's uh-huh. so unbelievably elegant. And, and onto, if you look at the, in the area where she's blowing, those are pyramids. I mean, oh. those are pyramids. They're ruined. They're beaten all up there, but those are, those are huge pyramids there. And so it makes, it makes me wonder, what are we going to find in there? Now, 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 if they've not been looted already, because we've seen successive. I mean, all those pyramids at the foot of this mountain, you see all of them have suffered damage and look like they've been broken into. Um, now, was that, you know, if you have a civilization, you have successive layers of civilization from high tech being devolving or and then evolving again and devolving. Of course, you're going to break into your old tombs and see what, the, you know. If back in the day they had flying machines and you don't have them now, we want to dig back and you know and dig and see if maybe one of the ancient kings buried one, you know, yeah, uh, that's or, or treasure or gold or or resources, uh, you know, and that's the kind of thing we're seeing. Is there if there is there's anything left, there we should be able to find something in that area. Oh, and um, Keith, one more thing just before you move on from this image and move down your stuff. What she's blowing on the top of to me, I can't get over, it, but it looks to me like a baby's bowed head to her. Kind of with a shoulder and with knees, in like as if she's holding a child. I mean, I again, it's it's my perception, right? Well, but it, it it may be Andrew. You know, yeah. uh, if if it's at all like we propose it to be, then that is quite a possibility because that's the sort of thing that's associated with that image. And uh, you know, and uh, what it shows to me is, you know, I've I've long thought that these were humans that were there, and it just affirms that to me. Because what other, well, you know, what alien race is going to feel like that? I mean, of course, we wouldn't know, but it would seem to me that that's an entirely human thing. Yeah, that's an entirely human thing. Now, it would move on to number six. This place is, um, is a little area near Echis Chasma, but uh, I couldn't help seeing a a small single MRO frame image where they kind of turned it wide open and took just a, like a five or six acre photo. Um, and they pinpointed this little area, and uh, look at it. It's a lady. I mean, it's beat up, um, but I call it Red Lady, Lorena, because we have this thing called the king face, and it's a male depiction of a king. I think uh, my buddy Greg Ormay uh, discovered it a long time ago, uh, the king face, and everybody's seen it, the crown face. Yeah. Um, this, is their, this is its counterpart, only it's female. You know, to me, it looks like it has the same quality as the famous statue in the Louvre, the Winged Victory. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing the artfulness of this stuff, and you know, it's utterly devastated because Mars had tidal catastrophes. You know, the the whole world oceans spilled over its banks and washed over the whole planet successively over and over again. Um, you know, the basically the biblical flood of Noah. Was is what actually happened on Mars, you know, uh, or something really similar is what's depicted, in, you know, uh, because you had the middle of the you had the middle of the Mars ocean all of a sudden raise up three thousand feet. Uh, if if your ocean floor raising up three thousand feet does not cause a tidal wave across your whole planet, nothing will. Um, but, but but despite all the devastation, we still are able to pick up pick items like this out of the wreckage, you know. And it just makes you wonder how beautiful was that when it was pristine. Um, now the same sort of you know, and, and once again here we are seeing the goddess. I mean, and whether it's whether these items are natural 
or whether they're artificial, it's still the expression of that female energy. Yeah. Okay. It's still the same. To me, it can be no less wonderful if it was built by hands or if it was built by uh, by the the spirit of the, the wonderful spirit of creation that we happen to know very little about. You know. And there's two ways of looking at it. You can look at it as uh, a close-up uh, portrait of the face, um, but what struck me was looking at it with um, a full figure uh, bending to the left where the depression in the upper left is the face and behind that is the wing on this full body. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, this is part of the thing, you know, this is a sophisticated culture and their art was very sophisticated too, as we've come in to see, um, even on the Weimar's picture, even the artist depiction on the Weimar's picture of Martian ruins shows faces within faces within faces. And then you have the chin of this face makes the cheek of this other face and there's eyes in it. Uh, it's the most wonderful tattoo art, you know, it's, it's yeah. really like tattoo art or what it you works. call nested art. Yeah, it's it. nested art. Yes, when you've got the, when you've got the bird that's holding the egg, that's got a whole family of birds inside the egg that is holding another egg. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, and, that's and, we, and we see that in Hindu art too, and in, in, in the beautiful um, temple carvings, Keith. Yes, and in the Mesoamerican tradition as well, this sort of interlocked artwork that one thing moves into another, and you can't even almost you can't even see them at the same time. You can't see one at the same time as the other. You have to see one. Like they're almost dimensional. Like you right. can see one. Yeah. Right. Kinsia would have a lot to say about that. <laughs> well, we can move on because there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. We got, uh, and I've got two more little things. We've got the Broken Angels, number seven. And this is about a two-foot-long statue that's that's on the surface of Mars. Curiosity rolled right by it, with this, you know, clicking pictures and put them all out there. No one ever saw it. And I'm looking through the pictures one day, and I went, hey, what, 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 what? You know, What? But, you know, even the AI sees it. I took and did an AI sketch. The, the lower uh, right-hand corner is the AI sketch of this actual rock. I took the picture and I ran it through AI art detection software and saw what – so it could see what the AI saw in the same photo. And the AI made a sketch of what it saw, and it's pretty much – it sees an angel also. And Keith, um, you're, not, you're not out of line doing that because there was a recent study – and I believe Richard talked about it a few weeks ago, and I know you're aware of it, where there was a recent study done on the on the dwarf – or no, I guess it's – well, it's the, the protoplanet or whatever, Ceres. Is, is it a dwarf planet or what, what are we calling it now? Yeah. Yeah, anyways, it's – it's and there was those very strange um, forms in the Ocator crater, right? And AI was seeing geometry and – then the researchers or some people were going, well, no, that's just AI making a mistake. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've been using AI processing to, uh, you know, to really, really super detail some pans lately. And we get some pushback from it, but to be honest with you, the technique works. And it, it makes some of the clearest, most fantastic pictures you've ever seen. Um, but because... You know, you're you're teaching a machine to teach itself how to look through the photo and clean everything out to make it look like it should look, to pull out what, what eyes can't see. You know, we've heard Richard talk about this forever, how the computer sees all that. Yeah. You know, it sees more than you can. Yeah. And so, well, this is the computer's taking what it can see more than we can and putting it into a representation that we can see. And, yes, you can make it hallucinate. If you make it work too hard, you can make it hallucinate. So where something that's there that's, you know, something will show up in the photo that is not actually there. But the idea is, you know, like, man, you can mess up a photo with unsharp mask, you know. <laughs> so yeah. the, the object is when you've got a filter is you use it properly. You know, don't don't rely on it for everything, and use it as it's, as it's supposed to be used. But uh, in this case, though, the AI is used as art detection, and um, it you see the result. You know, it does see it, and sees the same thing I did. You know, it's a broken statue of an angel, and that thing's been laying there buried and broken since the catastrophe. And there's probably other little doodads on the surface around it. It's Saw 59. If you go to if you go to Gigapans. Or you can search Google. Uh, Gigapan search function doesn't really work that well. But if you want to find any Gigapan you want of Curiosity's image, just search Google for that saw and Gigapan, and you'll find it. And you know, most of the time, you'll find one of my images, or you'll find one of Neville's images, or you'll find one of uh, Neil Spence's images. Well, some one of us 
has has the darn pan. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if, um, Keith, how, how big is this? How big is this item? Uh, it's about two foot. It's about two foot long. About two foot long. So it's humans. It's it's like humanoid yeah, it's size. Like alcove, it's like a little Mother Mary alcove statue. Yeah. You know, you see the little alcove statues. You know what? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, there's one broken on the ground, laying there. It looks like a piece of her wing. The the piece that broke off of uh, is sitting right there in front of it. Looks and, like and a you, piece of a wing. It really reminds. Sorry. I was just going to say it really reminds me of uh, I grew up around Salisbury Cathedral in the UK, and it really reminds me inside there are sort of like um, sculptures of Templars, knights who have returned from their crusades. And they've been there around, you know, ever since, uh, what, however many years it is, 600 and something years ago. And, uh, you know, the style could be absolutely something that you'd find in Salisbury Cathedral. And yet yeah. this is on a different planet. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> that Mars never ceases to amaze me. It's, it's, like I said, a lot of people, they think, oh, you know, well, that Chief Laney, he's a loon. He, you know, he believes this and he believes that. Oh, no. No, you obviously don't know me. No, I don't believe any of this, man. I don't. I look at this wide-eyed and go, no way. You're kidding me. But then I look at it again, and you get, I get another image that's contexting, or you know, I find evidence in another article that's just like it somewhere else. Or you know, it, it always confirms itself to let you know that now this, this really is such a thing. No matter how hard I try to deny what, the, what these things might be, it still comes back to there they are. You, know, you see it, whether it's natural or whether it's man-made. It's still there, regardless, and it's no less wonderful because of the origin. Hey, Georgia, Georgia. Yes. What does yeah. um what does esoteric writings say about this kind of um, concept? Like in terms of the possibility of other worlds, like just even within our solar system, having this kind of material. Is there anything like that? Oh, sure. Well, of course, you know, in, in most of the world's religions, there's the idea that we're not alone in the universe. And, you know, when you think about it, take a look at Earth. Ancient peoples did all kinds of artwork all over the planet that can only be seen from the air, right? Everything yeah. from the Nazca lines to, you know, some of the other uh, sculptures like the Glastonbury zodiac, which is partly natural and partly man-enhanced. It's a huge zodiac that's absolutely perfect that's 12 miles across <laughs> in, in diameter. Um, so if we think of, of humanity creating art that can only be seen from the sky, doesn't it make sense that other cultures on other planets would do the same, that they would also be enhancing their natural landscape or creating from scratch artwork that could be seen from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like it seemed like on Mars that they that they made it a status symbol. Uh, they did it everywhere yeah. because the surface of the surface of Mars has more of this than anywhere I've ever seen. And I, you know, I I try to look through the Earth satellite imagery and so forth just to find analogs, and there are here and there, but not anywhere on the scale like what's on Mars. You know, you can't just roll. You can't just roll through the Google Earth images uh, on Earth, even if you turn it back to the black and white ones, and and find stuff like this. It's just not there. You know, you got the you know the Plains Guardian looks like you got an iPad on. You got you got a couple of them, and that's it. You have the stuff man has scratched on the surface, but as you know, the big, huge geoglyphic artworks like we see on Mars and some of the things that I've just shown. No, nah, there's, there's nothing like that. And it just boggles my mind that all this stuff is human, you know. Now, you know, I'd like to our, jump in. Uh -huh. I'd love to jump in here. Uh, the next one's called love. <laughs> <laughs> so in my items, I have a number five, which is the alphabet versus the goddess, the conflict between word and image. And Dr. Leonard Slane, he goes into this concept of the right side of the brain working with images and the left side of the brain being more linear. And what we're seeing here in your Martian photos is a very uh, image-rich culture, which leads me to believe that they were 
highly developed in their right right brain, which is a non-spatial, non-linear type thinking. And as our as our uh, species has evolved, and and the when you look back at the ancient ruins, you see more again of the predominance of image ruling it's uh it's a type it's it's an expression of another state of consciousness and so these are clues to the state of consciousness that the ancients were predominantly functioning in or or the the martians i uh well, well, I said, you can you can tell it you can tell it had civilization from the geometry. You can tell it had a culture from the art. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's and, a and lovely the, way of putting it, actually. And mm-hmm. the elegance, the elegance, everybody. It, there's just this beautiful flow line that goes with this with these magnificent geoglyphs that you know Keith in his gigapans and and the other fellows that he he mentioned. So far, it's fellows, guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen that are doing the gigapans. Um, and the gigapans, Keith, can you describe what a gigapan is so people understand? Those that are new to new well, in the audience. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's basically making a panorama out of all Curiosity's images of a certain day. You know, Curiosity goes and it takes a picture, then another picture beside that one, and another picture beside that one. Sort of like if you were with your cell phone trying to take a big picture of the Grand Canyon and then put it into a panorama later on, or with your with yourself with your phone's uh, software. Only this is using the Mars satellite, uh, the Mars uh, images to do so, and I also make them out of the satellite images too because they have overlapping coverages, and I'll take them and put them together and put great big huge images. That's how come we have a huge uh, 25 centimeter resolution image of the entire area of Curiosity's going to explore and spend its entire lifetime, and it is the land of 10,000 pyramids. I mean, it, it's it true. Mm-hmm. I think there's some very famous French woman who also does gigapans. I'm not, I don't remember her name right now, but there, there is a woman out there doing gigapans too. Oh, good. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to throw something in that uh, Kinthea just, just mentioned uh, when she was giving reference to that book. Um, the way the human brain is constructed, the, the two hemispheres of the brain are pretty uh, mirror images of each other, not exactly, but pretty close, except in one area. Both of the speech centers are in the left hemisphere. Uh, one speech center has to do with the mechanics of speech, your, your breath, your tongue, that kind of thing. And the other has to do with meaningful speech. But they're both in the left hemisphere. On the right hemisphere, in an area that should mirror the left areas is a very curious little area of the brain that is activated in certain types of meditation. And it has to do with not only uh, reception of uh, higher life uh, via meditation, prayer, spirit, that kind of thing, but also, in ancient times, uh, this particular area of the brain had to do with uh, receiving the impress from the forces of nature. Uh, there's a, an amazing book um, that doesn't use esoteric language, uh, written by a fellow named Julian James. And the name of the book is The Origins of Consciousness in the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. And he talks about an earlier civilization on this planet, a, a pre-flood civilization that was very psychic and very bright-brained and very in touch with the forces of nature. And uh, maybe later on uh, tonight we can talk about how we're sort of coming back to that at a higher turn of the spiral. Yeah, that's beautiful. George, i got to add something really quick to that and the, the idea of nature – with this whole, um, you know, situation that's happening on the planet now, and and I want to, and I know everybody on the panel here wants to, you know, has their thoughts close to everybody. Want to thank everybody, you know, in the listening audience and Richard's audience for listening to us. Richard was, you know, was really busy tonight. He, he couldn't. He had something really important to deal with. He might drop in if he can, but for everybody to listen into us as we sort of take the show over. Um, you know, whether you're sort of a bit of a shut in 
or you just can't get out or you're self-quarantined or whatever, it is, as always, an honor for all of you to listen to us, to give us your time and your heart. And I'm going to say, Georgia, we've had a beautiful number of days and I have to sit inside and stare at the outside because I have to self-quarantine for 14 days because of the recent travel into the States. Um, And I have never seen so many people going for walks ever (laughs) down our street and getting out and and being in the trail. I mean, I can't see the trails from here, but I assume out in the parks and the trails. So it's, it's a fascinating thing that you're saying right here and it's ringing the bells right now. Wonderful. And the doggies on leashes are very happy about it. Right. Right. Everybody's enjoying nature. Oh, by the way, I remembered the name of the uh, French woman who does gigapants. Her name is Damia Buick, B-O-U-I-C. And she does exquisite planetary image and uh, imaging for the Planetary Society. So for those who are interested. But this uh, opportunity to reconnect with nature, I think, is one of the benefits of this quarantine strangely enough we're reconnecting with our families and um, perhaps we're going to be activating those parts of the brain Georgia was just talking about on the right side of the brain the highly psychic intuitive maybe we're using this as a catalyst to open up other senses of awareness well I'd like to speak on that later on uh, after our break Right, right. We still have a few minutes. Um, one, last, one last, one last picture that we had the one on love. We okay. didn't, we didn't go through that. If you click on that one, it's all about love. Whether it's the male, the female energy, it's all about love. Okay, um, the universe runs on it. Okay, love, love is the opposite of evil. It doesn't burn up. It acquiesces and grows. It never dies. It's reborn, and we have a depiction of this because if you look here, uh, there's a big heart-shaped mesa, and then there's a cairn right above it. And then if you look uh, up in the far upper right, upper excuse me, upper left corner, you'll see there's a male and a female effigy right side by side. And I, I, I just have to think that those two were buried in that mound, right above the heart. Mm. So the, the the title of this love lasts forever. Yeah. So, yes, and so we see, and and if you notice though, the female is superposed on top of the male on the in the two faces. Now the female has gathered a little bit more damage because of the position of being, on uh, you know being first. But uh, but you can see the the faces are there, the mounds are there. And it's just a, to me that's a wonderful monument for love. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. <laughs>